thank you um, for your faithful prayer support. And thank you also for being so kind to take us on for financial support. What a tremendous blessing that is. And as we crisscross the country, uh, God is our employer. He takes care of our needs, and it's a joy uh, to serve the Lord. Uh, when I was 16, I sensed that heavy pressing, heavy pressing of the Holy Ghost to uh, go into evangelism, and I sensed God calling me into that and said, okay, Lord, if that's what you have, you're just going to have to open the door and lead. And we just sought to be very sensitive to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit just one day at a time, right? One step at a time, and we're thankful just for the privilege. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, each and every one of us, we get to serve God, amen? What a privilege it is to live for the Lord and things, and we're just, of course, uh, teamwork makes a dream work, and God has got us in different places, and we're just praying that God would use us some way, somehow, uh, to stir hearts of Christians, to stay faithful, uh, to equip uh, a remnant, uh, people who are not going to give in, not going to quit, not going to compromise, not going to become complacent, but man, keep the main thing the main thing, keep the fire burning for the Lord. It's not easy. It's not easy to live for Jesus. Uh, but uh, walking in the Spirit, encouraging yourself in the Lord, and staying faithful, knowing that it's worth it. Amen? Amen? Knowing that it's not in vain, that God is going to use it, and God has never needed a majority to make a difference. Amen. And He is specializes in the miraculous, and He specializes in even just using a few. I mean, we can find that track record all throughout the Word of God. Amen? And so it's wonderful to realize that, yes, our country is in desperate need of a great awakening. And we are in desperate need of a move of heaven. And we are in desperate need of God's touch upon our land. But it's wonderful to realize that it's still possible that God can do a work. Not can God. But God can do a work. And God can use simple old little ordinary people just like you and me. Amen? Because you think about it, He's just looking for a man standing in the gap, staying faithful in the midst of a society and a generation that's falling apart and crumbling around him, people that are going astray, they're doing that which is right in their own eyes, uh, from the princes, as it's described in Ezekiel 22, to the prophets of God. The preachers are not thundering forth, the thus saith the Lord, and the priests or other believers, they're defiling themselves and calling the things that are holy uh, 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 and disregarding that and embracing the profane and all this stuff is happening and just the generation people in and of themselves just as a whole are completely going contrary to the word of God having no desire for the word of what God would have us to do but yes God says you know what I just need a man I think about my brother right here on the pew uh, let's see right here what's your name Sergio. Sergio this could be the man that God uses just by staying faithful, being a prayer warrior, in the trenches, involved, engaged, amen, uh, interceding. Lit literally, God can use him to give America a space of grace. And you think about this guy right here. What's your name again? Yeah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That could be the man of the hour. And if God could do wonderful things with one, what could he do with 300? What could he do with 3,000? What can he do with a host of Christians who even though it seems like, man, are we, are we really making a difference? Are we really leaving a mark? Is it really worth it? Oh, absolutely. Amen. So, so just keep on going for the Lord. The devil's scared of the church. The devil's scared of a Christian who's just living for the Lord. He's scared of God. He knows that he has all power in heaven and earth. And he's reminded every single day of Revelation 1.18, where I believe it says, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, he says, I, am, uh, 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 I was dead and now am alive forevermore. And by the way, he was so excited about that that he inserted the word amen right in the middle of the verse. He said, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. And literally, he's got it on his belt loop. Amen? He's twirling it on his finger. Hell itself. And tonight is a springboard. I'm so excited. I've been praying for quite some time over this meeting and what God can do in this one service and just minding the Lord. Lord, what would you have tonight for your people? I hope that you haven't come to listen to me. I've got nothing to say. I just want to be a conduit that God can flow through and that in your own heart, you're seeking to meditate upon that still small voice and you're asking the Holy Ghost to invigorate you and to revive you and to reignite within you a, a passion and desire to keep on going forward for God. Amen? All right, so Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew 16, verse number 18, a very familiar text, and we'll use this as a launching uh, uh, board, if you will, and uh, thrust into the message of what the Lord has for us tonight. Would you be so kind as to join with me in standing as we read from his word here this evening? Isn't it wonderful to read the Bible? Over 80% of the world doesn't have the privilege and freedom of what we have tonight. 
being able to worship the Lord openly and not worrying about secret police or the military coming in and arresting us or shooting us right on the spot, killing our children. What a privilege it is tonight, amen? And the fact that we have the Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration. That means it's present tense. It's alive right now, amen? It is from the mouth of God right now, and God has something right now for you. And so would you open up your heart? We see in Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 18, the Lord speaking. He says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. In Matthew 16, 18. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How moving, amen? Then you talk about something that'll get you fired up and stirred. Praise God tonight that we can take our flesh and blood finger and we can put it upon the blank and white text of the thus saith the Lord, and it's there, amen? We have his promise. May the Lord do a work tonight. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd please move among us. We ask for a manifestation, God, of your presence and of your power. Lord, my heart is just even full by listening to the offertory tonight, the secret place, the emphasis of that and how that dovetails with the message. I think about the song tonight, the sermon by way of song from Brother Bell, uh, just helping us to realign our perspective of you, Lord, and just so wonderful it is to realize we don't serve a dead God, but we have a risen Savior, a King of kings, sitting up high and lifted up on his throne. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'd please do a work. Lord, I'm asking, and I've been asking you for quite some time, I've been asking for a thin place. And Lord, you were there in the days of yesteryear. You've seen the revivals of old. You're the one who's the God of revival. You're the one who brought about those awakenings and those movements. And Lord, we ask tonight for just a spark. Lord, we ask for just a glimpse. Lord, we ask for this time, in this moment, in this space, we ask for a thin place. Like the old Welsh revivals. How that you would move in such a powerful way that it's almost as if human beings could reach out and touch heaven, so to speak, because it was just so rich and so real. And God, I pray that you would do that in our hearts. I ask, please, Lord, that heaven would swing low. Please don't pass us by tonight. Lord, I pray that you would forgive any person in this room for sin. Lord, I pray tonight that you would forgive any person in this room for complacency. Lord, that you would forgive any person in this room, Lord, that may uh, have a status quo Christianity and a nonchalant uh, perspective of living for you. God, I pray that you would help us to not even have a preconceived idea when we get into the preaching time, but Lord, that we would empty our minds of ourselves and all of our own thoughts and this and that and the other. And God, that we would have an open heart and Lord, we would allow you to write upon the table of that heart tonight. And I pray that you do a work. We ask for unction tonight. We need your power. We need a touch from heaven. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You know, it's wonderful tonight to read this verse. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe that Satan hates the existence of the local church. Why? Well, if you're mindful of what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, verse number 15, just jot down the reference, it says that we are the church of the living God. Right, Brother Bell? Singing that tonight, amen? He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Thank God tonight we don't have a dead God, but he is alive and well, sitting up high upon his throne in glory, having those keys of hell and of death in his own personal possession, amen? And it's wonderful, the church of the living God the pillar and ground of the truth. Isn't it wonderful tonight? In your hands, you are holding the answer. You're holding the message of love. You have hope. You have joy. You have from cover to cover everything we need as individuals, as parents, as spouses, as church members to effectively and successfully live our life to the maximum of what God has. We have tonight the answer of what this world needs. And the devil knows that. And he understands that the only source of absolute truth in the entire universe is found in the Word of God. And he's going to do everything to destroy it. He's going to do everything to undermine it. He's going to do everything in his power to defile it. He's going to do, therefore, everything he can to shut you down and to shut you up. And he's going to do everything in his power to shut down this church, to fight against this church. You better believe we have an adversary. Oh, should we quote it tonight? Maybe it's just good for us if you've got a thick skull like me. Repetition is the key to learning. We so many times forget, and we need to be stirred by way of remembrance, the Bible says, to be revived again and understanding that we are at war. 
that this is not a game. We're not pretending anything or going through the motions in participation of this performance Christianity. But this is legit. This is real. Uh, There is uh, an eternal battle that is raging for the souls of men, for your own potential, for you fulfilling the will of God and the work of God according to the word of God for your life, for your children sitting next to you tonight. There is a very real war that's raging to destroy your heart and your home and this church house tonight. The Bible says that he is a roaring lion. We all know it, right? I mean, so well we probably could quote it backwards. But when's the last time you thought about it? A roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Intensity and eagerness. Ooh, right here. How could I wreck and ruin his life? And I know that this is nothing new, but church tonight, that we would once again allow this to bring a sense of sobriety and reality, understanding the brevity of the moment that we can experience, this church can experience wreck and ruin. This church can be shut down. This church can experience and face the attack of Satan. But thank God tonight, isn't it wonderful? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can? And you answer the question tonight. Stop him hawing around and being a Christian who has a lack of faith and and hesitancy. Hey, answer the question tonight. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, nobody, amen? Not that we're a match for the devil, because that's far from the truth. Man, we're the devil's chewy toy if he had his way. He would wreck and ruin your life so fast, just in a moment. But he is no match for our God. And there is bad news tonight. The bad news is the devil will never quit. He's ruthless. A roaring lion walking about. That means it's just not a one-and-done type thing where he's just like, okay, well, I didn't get him, so whatever, we'll just move on, all right? No, he's moving around, not moving on. Saying, oh, maybe, maybe over here, or maybe back here, or maybe there's something down here, you know, underneath the chair. How can I destroy him? How can I wreck and ruin him? Maybe it's through his spouse. Maybe it's through his children. Maybe it's through his circumstances. How? And there is a meeting, I believe. Call me crazy, you probably already do. But I believe that there is a meeting of the minds of evil. There is a meeting of the devils and of Satan trying to figure out with their dossiers about your life and your home, trying to figure out what is the next tactic? What is the next way we can try to implement to shut down the doors of Parkside Baptist Church, to ruin that ministry from being that soul-saving station, that rescue station there within a yard of hell? Hey! You better believe the devil's more after this church than the contemporary one down the road. Nothing against them, but he's saying, man, we already got them asleep. They're already preaching something watered down. People ain't going to... No, hide nor hair what the truth is there, you know? And that, just leave them alone. But hey, that man right there, how can we destroy him? How can we defile this man? How can we wreck and ruin his life? And this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And it's so applicable to every single human being in this room tonight and even right here. May God help us this evening to understand that there is bad news. The devil will never quit. But the good news is, church, the devil will never win. Never win. Because we have God's promise. And the devil with his own eyes. He's a real being. Come on. With his own eyes. He even saw the very first time, so to speak. He saw the very first time that this was written down upon the parchment. And that has been given unto us all these generations later. He sees it there in Matthew 16, 18. That Jesus Christ said, upon this rock, I will. church you're a personal possession to God you're his is he yours is there an endearment there where Jesus is just Jesus is all the world to me my life my joy my all take the world but give me Jesus and I can't go on without him 
What's the point of living even just another day without Jesus, without his touch, without his guidance, without his leadership, without his word, without his wisdom, without his power, without his wonderful, wonderful presence? Oh, tonight, uh, that we would understand that in the eyes of God, you are something of endearment to him. He loves you. Oh, he cherishes you. You're not just some list on a church spreadsheet. But you are a local body of believers. And he wants to be in the center of everything and have the preeminence be in that head. Amen? Oh, tonight, uh, that we would also have this sense of endearment unto him that come what may, this attack may rage uh, as we see here. Is it not true? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that mean? That means the gates of hell are going to try to prevail. <laughs> you better believe they're going to open up the floodgates. You better believe. And I, by the way, this is crazy. I have no idea why God is having me preach this um, and, and uh, things, but I haven't preached from this text in probably nine months. I don't know. Uh, and I'm trying to get to Acts chapter number four. I really want to get there, but God has us lingered here for a moment. Is everybody okay? Okay. And it's not like we're trying to squeeze two messages into one. Uh, we're not. This is where God has us to begin. If God wants to be here the whole time, that's fine with me. Amen. Because we're here to meet with the Lord. But uh, to think of this, the promise of God, he will build the church. The gates of house shall not prevail against it. He will build. Build. Men can't build a church. Only God can. But, okay, hold on. But he uses his men and his people to build his church. And isn't it wonderful that God wants to use you? God wants to use me. I'm a little old me. Are you kidding me? My existence is more microscopic than a speck of dust in comparison to the universe. But yet God would use Caleb Garraway to be involved in the work of eternity. I don't know about you. That just blows my mind away. Amen. I don't have to. I get to. I get to. You get to teach the Sunday school class. You get to knock on doors on Saturday. You get to be out on Thursday and Tuesday and whatever it is, day uh, and night, uh, visiting your Sunday school class and seeking to reach into that home and salvage it and save it from the pit of hell and all oh, how lives are being wrecked and ruined and God has given you the joy and the task as a family as a church as a body of believers to go forth and understand with excitement that even though the floodgates of hell itself are raised and there is a rage that's going to come out to try to annihilate your existence God promises shall not prevail shall not over supersede you shall not overwhelm you you just stay faithful there's so much scripture that i want to go to right now oh i think about the old testament how they would claim many many times our god will fight for us amen is everybody okay tonight is everybody okay okay uh, let's just pause here keep your finger in matthew chapter number 16 and let's go back to the book of nehemiah and and this is totally radical to do this but that's okay uh let's let's look at this here nehemiah nehemiah Nehemiah, let's see here. Let's go to um, chapter... Let's go to chapter number 4. Nehemiah chapter number 4. As you're turning, I would, I, I, if, I'm, don't, if you don't mind me interjecting, thank you for the opportunity to be with you tonight. Um, we were supposed to be in Arkansas, uh, preaching revival at a, a wonderful ministry there, and a, and a, a pillar work in that state. Um, but um, a couple months ago, uh, the pastor found out that he had some severe cancer and things, and... Uh, meeting got postponed and so we were left without a place to be able to serve and so um, I'm thankful that the Lord allowed this to happen and I believe that it is the will of God at least for us I know that's a tragedy that they're going through but for us that God would have us to be here tonight and it's on purpose because I'm not we're not even supposed to be in this state but I'm thank you so much for allowing us to be with you what a privilege and thank you for letting us invest in the young people at the five o'clock hour okay are you there in Nehemiah 4 all right are you there look what the Bible says Nehemiah 4 and just to see this little snippet here at the very end, it says in Nehemiah 4, verse number 20, of course, there was an, an attack and an onslaught there, but they were prepared. They were prepared. Let's move back to chapter number nine, or excuse me, verse number nine. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Nehemiah 4, verse number nine. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. They were vigilant. They were vigilant. But then also look over to verse number 17. Same chapter, same chapter. Verse number 17. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, 
with those that uh, laded, everyone with his uh, everyone with his hands wrought in the work. Is that true of this church? Is everybody on board? Is everybody working? Are you apathetic tonight? You spectator tonight? How dare you? Amen. Get involved. Amen. You like your body working at 100%, right? You don't feel right. You feel like this. Oh, man. If you're not at 100%, come on. Okay, that was just a little food for thought there. May the Lord use it according to as he so desires. Listen to that still small voice and accept conviction. Accept conviction tonight if it's needed and if it's applicable. But notice here it says, and with the other hand held a weapon. Now that's fired up because we got a weapon. We got a Bible. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that should be something that is on our body and with us every single moment of every single day, night or day. We've got the Word of God. Hey, we're vigilant, but we're also valiant. That's what the Bible is teaching us, verse number 17. Verse number 20 teaches us that we ought to be victorious in our preparation. Vigilant, valiant, but also having victorious mindsets. Verse number 20, it says, In what place thereof, therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, uh, resort ye thither unto us. But notice, or we should be prepared and we should do everything we should in our power. Amen? Physically, that we're capable of doing. Don't be a slouch and don't be a procrastinator. Be passionate, be involved. But notice, it all depends on God, not us. We're going to be in our place and we're going to stay faithful, but this whole thing depends on God. He says, Our God shall fight for us. Now, well, I hope he comes through, you know, and I hope that he'll give us aid in that moment of need. No, he says, our God shall fight for us. There's so many other passages of scripture that could teach us this truth tonight. And it's so wonderful in the word of God that we can see so clearly how that God will defend his people, how that God will fight for his people, how that God is going to do a work for his people, how that the Lord will move and work in a great and mighty way. I don't know about you, but I need the miraculous. I need the divine understanding. I need that leadership of the Lord. I need God in my life. I can't do it in of myself. I can't do it in and of my own strength. I need the divine intervention of God. Just listen to this passage here. Just listen. Just listen. Write down the reference. Read it later. All right. Homework assignment. Second Chronicles 14. Second Chronicles 14, verse number, let's see, verse number 11. You talk about something that was impossible. The enemies of God coming against the people of God, there was no way physically that they could overwhelm it. It was insurmountable. It says in 2 Chronicles 14, verse number 11, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. I don't know about you, but I like that, don't you? Man, it's nothing, God. It's just a thought. It's just a word. It's just a snap of a finger. It's just the direction of your hand. Oh, God, it is nothing with thee to help. That's why I still believe in national revival. Amen. It's possible. So many times we get discouraged and we hole up into a corner, you know, and say, oh, man, there's nothing we can do. And that is a partial truth. There's nothing you can do or I can do. But God can do everything. And he is the God of the impossible. And as he looked into the eyes of his disciples there in the book of Mark, I believe it's chapter number 10, he says, hey, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. He says, it is nothing with thee to help. Listen, whether with many or with them that have no power, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord. Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against, not us, but let not man prevail against thee. God, this is your church. My home, it's your home. My marriage and my spouse, it's someone who you gave me. Whoso findeth a good thing. Something that's a, a blessing from God himself. Directly from his heart unto yours. Amen. Isn't that wonderful, man? Amen. Sorry, ladies. There's nothing in the Bible about you. You just, you just have to put up with us, all right? But isn't it wonderful tonight? Sorry, that's a little radical and strange to bring in at such a point. But anyway, it is what it is. But here's the thing. It's wonderful tonight to realize God's people must be valiant, God's people must be vigilant, and we should have a victorious mindset. And here in the New Testament, He's given us that encouragement tonight. In Matthew 16, 18, are you still with me? Would you be so kind as to say amen? amen? He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. 
800 this morning isn't that right pastor god never wants the doors of this church to shut down how old is this church brother palmar do you know how many 40 years 39 years that's it man uh, and pastor i'm sure has been in churches i'm sure you've been in churches maybe on vacation or traveling the country i know we have uh, churches that have been around especially one i think of uh in in uh tennessee kingsport tennessee has been around since the 1770s and it's still a bible preaching baptist church amen hasn't compromised hasn't changed man this church is a baby it's young and God wants every single church to keep on thriving and to keep on driving. He wants every single, not driving into the ground, you know. No, but soaring to new heights and seeking greater planes and possibilities of what He will give openings unto. Listen tonight, the church is not to sit around and just simply try to survive in such a wicked generation. A church is to arise and thrive. The promise of God. How I'll build my church. 800 today? 1,500? When? I don't know, but I'm anticipating it. I don't know, but I'm expecting it. We're not going to settle. We're not going to sit down, sit by, you know, just say, well, you know, uh, we've maxed out this auditorium here and things, and I think this is good just to maintain this. This will be fine. And as soon as a church does that, a church that fossilizes and a church that doesn't evangelize, just kind of sits around is a church that will then begin to lose the temperature is then a church that will begin to lose the tenacity the tenacity the wherewithal the grit the stamina the drive to keep on going amen that's the church that will give into the temptation and we don't have time to get into that in the word of god but we must be careful amen church amen church he says the promise i will build i will build i will build god wants to keep on doing a work amen national revival is possible god can do something in this generation i believe that and the devil understands this he understands the church's promise he understands the church's position that we are built up upon the firm foundation the solid rock of jesus christ and his word and he knows the church that does this that continues to move forward with the lord and the bible that it is something that will have longevity it's something that will have legacy it's something that will make a lasting impact as jesus said you know the guy who built his house on the rock you know the story the rains came down and the floods came up y'all familiar with it right and the guy who built his life on the rock he was a wise man his house and his life lasted this church house will last if we continue to follow the word of god what about it okay let's just stop pause where are you at spiritually are you living this Have we lost perspective of this kind of stuff? The adversaries, the warfare, souls of men seeking to wreck and ruin your hearts and homes, this church, all this stuff, the onslaught of the enemy, but yet God and his power. Isn't this wonderful, church? Isn't this glorious tonight that this is something that God has for Parkside here tonight? And may we be faithful. Now, when did the Lord give this? In Matthew 16, 18, it was in the first century. And as you stop and you think about the testimony there of the church that arose, that first century church, I believe that God still wants a first century church in the 21st century. Amen. A church, I mean, the, 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 the book of Acts, I mean, you think about that and the role model that's there. It's not just something to sit back and, you know, ooh and ah over. It's, it's been there, painstakingly preserved, for us to be able to glean from their heart to be able to glean from their passion for the Lord, able to glean for their, from their vision and their insight and their dedication to His Word and say, you know what? I want that too. A first century church in a 21st century world, a Matthew 16, 18 church in 2020. And the devil, he understands the church's promise. He understands from God, he understands the church's position. It's upon the rock and a church that stays on that rock is a church that he cannot destroy or corrupt or slow down or stop. He understands tonight that we have the truth and he wants to destroy that message, that position that we have. He understands the church's power and potential that we are directly plugged in to the source itself which is jesus christ and the very gates of hell come what may with all the wickedness and the onslaught of sin that it cannot prevail against parkside baptist church you realize that the church has always played a pivotal role in american history 
It's because of the pulpit. We don't even have time to get into any of this. It's because of the pulpit and the fire thereof that stirred a sacred fire within the hearts of those colonial patriots and those founding fathers. And though they varied in their religious beliefs and different things, they ultimately desired for God, the Creator, as they wonderfully and warmly acknowledged Him to be in our birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence, as they honored Him and revered Him there, calling Him uh, the judge of the world, understanding that He was the authority, and they were willing to submit themselves underneath that authority, saying, God, if you be for us, would you please help us? And we're going we're gonna to have trust in you and faith in you with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This is why we're moving forward. And it was because of the preacher. It was because of the people. It was because of the pulpit. It was because of the church. It was because of Christianity that America was able to have the wonderful and glorious foundation that it had. The church is what's always sustained this country. How many of you are familiar with Alexis de Tocqueville? You know where we're going with this. Would you raise your hand? Raise it up high into the air. If you know Alexis de Tocqueville, okay, maybe 5% of us. But he was a, um, he was a uh, French uh, philosopher and, and a statesman, a historian, uh, who traveled to the United States uh, in the 1830s. He was sent by the old world, you know, all the aristocrats and uh, all of the uh, monarchs and things, uh, if you will, and all the royal people and the nobles. Figure out. Figure out, why? Are you kidding me? Within 50 years of being born as a country, we were leading the world in freedom. We were leading the world in commerce. We were leading the world in agriculture. We were leading the world in inventions. I mean, who's this new kid on the block? Who do they think they are type thing, you know? Go over there and try to figure out why this nation has risen to success in a place of predominance and why it has blessing upon it. And there, as Alexis de Tocqueville traveled our country, reporting back to the French Senate, now you'll not find this in his own book that he wrote, the two volumes, but rather you'll find it in a book that I have here tonight. This is a first edition from the 1800s. You'll find it here. As he was speaking in his report back to the French Senate, he said these words, and I'm reading it right here from the old book. This is crazy, amen? This, is, this, is, this, was, this was printed when he was alive and experienced this. Listen, he said, I went at your bidding and passed along their thoroughfares of trade. I ascended their mountains and went down their valleys. I visited their manufacturers, their commercial markets, and emporiums of trade. I entered their judicial courts and legislative halls, but I sought everywhere in vain for the secret of their success until I entered the church. Come on! Woo! Until I entered the church, the hearing the truth place, the place where the pulpits were on fire. He said, it was there. As I listened, means he just sat there and just soaked it up. It was there in the house of God. As I listened to the soul equalizing or it just, it just warmed my heart. It was just so something, it was just a balm to me. It was just something so refreshing to me. It was something so healing to me. It, was, it just washed over me, and wow, it helped me. He said, as I listened to the soul equalizing and soul elevating, or it's something that stirred me, amen? Not only did it help me, but it got me hot. It got me tired. It got me fired up. Man, it was something that just motivated me and moved me as I was in the house of God with the people of God, as I was listening to the preaching of God's Word. He said it was there as I listened to the soul equalizing and soul elevating principles of the gospel of Christ as they fell upon the masses of the people that I learned why America was great and free and why France was a slave. Right here. The church. The church. The church, the church, you, you tonight, you tonight. 
This is why America can continue to move forward. This is how God can continue to smile and shine His face down upon us. And we so desperately need it tonight. And I'm praying here this evening a church that truly is in the trenches. A church that truly is uh, holding to the truths of the Word of God and having an animacy to keep on going forward underneath the banner of thus saith the Lord. Don't quit tonight. Don't be complacent tonight. Don't get discouraged tonight. Don't compromise tonight. Keep on going. It's not in vain. Of course, we already meditated upon that wonderful truth tonight. Isn't that great? But listen, this church and churches like this across America are the institutions that God has ordained that will make an impact on our culture. And our nation is in desperate need of an impact. Our nation and our generation and our homes are in desperate need of an intervention of God moving and working in manifestation of the power of God. And listen, the only person, capital P, that can turn this nation around and turn the tide is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he wants to use his people and he wants to use his church to make that difference. Are you all in tonight? We're almost through. What time did you say? Sorry. Okay, sorry. Is everybody okay? Okay, I don't mean to be weird, but uh, turn in your Bibles. Not that we're transitioning now. We're not transitioning now to sermon number two. We're not. Maybe this was the longest introduction and the shortest outline that you'll ever hear. But <laughs> settle down. Hold on. Get me stirred up. All right. Acts chapter number four. I mean, where do you begin? We're thinking about being this first century church in a 21st century world. Acts chapter number 4. I love verse number 31. I have not been given utterance of the Holy Spirit to preach from this verse for quite some time. And I'm thankful tonight that God is allowing me to because I love this verse. Acts chapter number 4 verse number 31. The Bible speaking here and as we read it we can simply glimpse character traits and qualities i believe that should be implemented within our church as we move forward for god in order for this thing to to happen i believe these core principles and core thoughts must be within the very fiber and the dna of parkside baptist church it says in acts 431 if you're there would you say amen? amen the bible says and when they had prayed the place was shaken now we should pause there and preach for a little while but we've already been talking about the shaking and all how we should be desiring the mighty move of heaven and the manifestation and the mighty power of God and the miraculousness of heaven taking place in a physical reality upon the earth. Amen? I want the heavenly rain outpouring. I want the earth shattering and the earth shaking. And when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Oh, there was no pecking order of spirituality. We were just in this thing. We're in the trenches together, knowing that God is no respecter of persons. And so we're not going to play that political game either. Amen. We're just going to, from the pulpit of the pew, we're going to be down in the trenches, sleeves rolled up. We've got a shovel in our hand, and we're just trying to dig and go forward for God. Amen. All things common, man. We all should be soul winners. We all should be servants. And none of us should be dead weight. All of us should be moving together and moving forward as a team, as we'll see here briefly in just a moment. But I see some core truths and principles that must be implemented and must remain steadfast in Parkside Baptist Church if it's so going to be and continue to be a first century church in a 21st century world, seeing God bring about the Matthew 16, 18. Well, what does it start off by saying? And when they had what, church? Somebody help me out. And when they had prayed. 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 Didn't the Lord say many times, number one, he wants his church to be a house of prayer. House of prayer. It's mentioned five times in Scripture. I'm mindful and just listen as I read from Matthew 21, verse number 13. It says, and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Of course, he's given, uh, he's given an admonition here. He's preaching. He says, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And this is supposed to be a sacred place and a spiritual place and a holy place and a place that gets in, 
instant contact with God. But you've made this place a place of pride and a place of pollution and a place of politics. And and listen tonight, uh, we must, as we as a church, we must be people who are going to be right with God and we must be real with God if He is going to hear our prayers. The Bible says, where is it at? In the book of uh, uh, Psalm. Psalm, it says in Psalm, let me find the reference here. Psalm uh, 66, verse number 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And listen, we could be praying for the power of God. We could be praying for a revival. We can be doing this and that and the other in regards to beseeching heaven and holding on to the horns of the altar. But if our hearts are not right with God, if there's sin in the camp, if there is iniquity among us, Our prayers are a waste of time. Now that's crazy to say, but it's true. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God's not going to hear me and God will not listen to me. Keep your finger there in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. And please, I I beg of you quickly, quickly now, would you turn with me to to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 59. Just to read it. But, But instead of me saying, I want you to see it with your own eyes. Isaiah 59, verse number 1 and 2. It says, Behold, if I may begin to read for the sake of time. Behold, or hey, it's wonderful. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Yeah, the devil's going to never quit, but the devil will never win. And God has got all the power. He's got the keys of hell and of death. National revival is possible. God doing a work in this community right here, turning it right side up. It's possible. It's not too late. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. But notice, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Where God is bored with our prayers and God is like, man, seriously, how much time are you going to spend today talking to me? That's not the Lord. But God delights in hearing from his children. However, in verse number two, it switches, doesn't it? It says, but. Hold on. Yeah, you want to swing from the chandeliers and get all excited, but wait a second. Pause for a moment. Let reality sink in. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. We've preached this here before. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not. Didn't say cannot. Or we're just too far away, like, I can't, like the brother over there, I can't read your lips, you're just too far away, you know? Come closer so I can, I can try to figure out what you're saying. That's not what the Lord's saying. The Lord's saying, okay, you want to talk to me, but your heart's not right? Forget it. I refuse. I'm not going to listen. No, it's not going to happen. Until our hearts become sweet and tender and submissive and broken over the iniquity. But what is iniquity? Somebody help me out. What's iniquity? sin right but what's the specific context it's sin or it's understanding the difference between right and wrong now folks let's just get honest how many messages have you heard how many times for those of us who've been saving a number of years how many times have you read through the bible oh what again was the sor- absolute source of absolute truth in the entire universe there's only one text capital b bible This is how we understand as a human being, how we understand the difference between right and wrong. And iniquity is understanding the difference between right and wrong, but then ignoring to do what's right and going ahead and (sighs) making provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And God's saying, you know what? You know it's wrong, but you're going to do it anyway? Fine. Have fun with that. See where that's going to take you. No more power. No more presence. No more honoring my promises. You can pray for a hundred years, but I will not listen. And I believe as God says this, his heart is broken. Because obviously God doesn't want us to have this sort of relationship with him where it's alienated or separated. But he longs to have close communion with you as an individual in your heart, in your home, in this church. Let me ask a question tonight, and this is a little crazy, but is there sin in this church tonight? Now, we're all sinners, right? Anybody a sinner in here? I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I'm going to say that lightly. God, God have mercy on me. I need help every day. Come on, guys. I need help every day. I need the Lord. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to honor the Lord. Is there a sin in this church? 
I don't know. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you or do anything weird. I'm just really, I just feel pressed of God. It's like I have two hands squeezing my heart right now within me. Is there? Where we understand the difference between right and wrong, but we're so filled with our own arrogance and our pride and what we think is best. And we've got the leech uh, and the talons of the lust and of flesh within us. And uh, we know what's right, but yet we're not doing it. Uh, and all, what is it tonight? It, it, what is it tonight? Is it, a, is it bitterness? We've taken this house of prayer and we've made it into a den of thieves. What is it tonight? Is it a lying tongue? Is it an adulterous heart? Is it a dirty mind? Is it a stubborn, unsubmissive self-will to the word and way of God? Is it an arrogant pride? Is it a critical spirit? Is it a judgmental attitude? Is it an addiction problem? Is it a vice? Is it, is it a besetting sin like anger or frustration? Is it bad music or wicked movies or television shows that you know some source of entertainment that is violating your heart and violating your mind and violating and defiling you as a person? Why do we mess around with it? Why do we dabble with it? We're cutting off the power of God tonight. And sure, we, man, man, where's the closest chandelier or microphone cord to swing around and say, yeah, hallelujah, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it will. It will. If there's sin in this church. I'm not trying to back anybody into a corner. That's between you and God. Because man, look at on the outward, but God sees the heart. And sure, we can have the dimple in the tie, the hair combed, everything curled, you know, for you ladies. And oh, the dress is the right length and all this and that and the other. And we know how to sing the songs and everything's great. And we're looking around to see if everybody else is also on this spiritual plateau and level of where we're at. And what's the pecking order of Christianity in this church? God have mercy on us. Now, I'm not saying that, accusing you of it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. What is it tonight? Is it gossip? Is it gossip in this church? An undermining of authority even? Is it rebellion? And the list goes on and on and on. But you know what it is. And God tonight is saying, Hey, don't have a tolerance for sin, but totally turn from it and run from it and abstain from all appearance of evil. My house is to be called a house of prayer. Oh, a place where people can come, a place where people can kneel, a place where people can gather together in a prayer closet somewhere, or maybe in an upper room and meet with Jesus, and all there get direct connection with the God of heaven. In a dorm room. It's just so wonderful. I mean, it's so thick. Have you ever experienced the presence of God where it's so thick? It's like stifling, almost. There's nothing like it. House of prayer. House of prayer. Our homes are to be that as well. We must continue to move forward. Are you still with me? Would you say amen? Amen. Ian Bounds once said, uh, and he wrote this, what the church needs today is not more machinery, not new organizations or more novel or new methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, people mighty in prayer. And listen tonight, we don't need more polish or personality in the pulpit. We don't need more programs and this and that. We just need prayer. We want to start up this ministry and that ministry. I'm all for that, but we need prayer. What's the purpose if we're going to go forward? No prayer! Who said it? Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. We're almost through. I have a book here called When the Fire Fell by George T.B. Davis. Davis, has anybody ever heard of this book? Uh, have you heard of it? It's powerful, isn't it? George T.B. Davis was a, uh, a journalist fascinated with the uh, evangelistic campaigns of R.A. Torrey and uh, Alexander, uh, excuse me, of uh, Charles M. Alexander, the song leader. It was basically uh, the next generation of D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey. And uh, Mr. Alexander, the song leader, prolific soul winner, Wonderful man of God. Uh, he actually is the grandfather of majesty music. I don't know if you knew that, but Frank Garlock, of course, uh, Charles Alexander had already passed, but when Brother Garlock uh, got into the music ministry and the Lord was leading him in that direction as a very young man, uh, he was enamored and fascinated with the testimony in the heart of Charles Alexander. He read everything he could about him, and he, and he told me this over the phone here a couple months back. He said, I adopted all of the music philosophy that Charles Alexander had. I let that mold me into the man I became. And even though he's dead, he still speaks, and he's the grandfather of Patch the Pirate. 
So anyway, that's just a little tidbit of trivia knowledge for you. But anyway, Charles Alexander, listen to this. It was nothing, I carry this book with me because I desire the power of God and I just, it just stirs my heart. It was nothing less than a great volume of intercessory prayer that sent Dr. R.A. Torrey and Mr. Charles M. Alexander sweeping around the world like a gale from heaven. It was estimated that 100,000 souls uh, professed faith in Christ during their worldwide revival tour. Their meetings in Melbourne, Australia were preceded by 1,700 cottage prayer meetings and continues to move on. And what was the secret of it all? Dr. Torrey told me, so the reporter, he got saved. Charles Alexander led him to the Lord, and then he wound up traveling with the team for many, many years. He said, Dr. Torrey told me that during their three years of meetings in the British Isles, 20,000 people were banded together in prayer groups all over the land praying for their meetings. And that this was in addition to the intensive prayer in each city where they held their revival meetings. It was prayer, earnest, continuous, persistent, believing intercession. That was the secret and the source of the power in their great meetings. Did you, did you pray today? What was the prayer? Ere you left your room this morning. It's a hymn we don't really hear of anymore. Song. Did you think to pray? The statistic was given a few years ago that the American Christian only spends about 15 minutes a day in prayer. After it was all, after it was all averaged together, no wonder, you know, no wonder we're not seeing revival. The problem's not God, the problem's us. We're not a pure people, not a praying people. Is everybody okay tonight? The devil is not afraid of machinery. R.A. Torrey said. He is only afraid of God. And machinery without prayer is machinery without God. E.M. Bounds also made the statement, deeper the desire, the stronger the prayer. I, I misspoke. Deeper the desire, the stronger the prayer. Period. That'll help if I put the period there. Without desire... Prayer is a meaningless mumble of words. Such formal praying with no heart, no feeling, no real desire accompanying it is to be shunned like a pestilence. Are we guilty tonight of long-winded prayers? Of, uh, it's just a big list of jargon statements that we've heard people pray for the past 20 years. Or are we truly trying to get with God and meet with God and seek His face and pour our guts before Him in the prayer closet? Do you even have a prayer closet? Do you even have a prayer list? When's the last time you prayed for the divine intervention of God? You prayed for a miracle, prayed for a miracle, prayed. I mean, are you with me tonight? God needs His church and the only way this thing is going to move forward. And sure, it might function for a little while and the innovation and, and, and the, the machinery and the mechanics and the manipulation of man, but it's going to fall flat on its face. 39 years, but 39 years from now, it could be shut down and it could be a place that is uninhabited. A place that once was and not still is. If we're not a house of prayer. House of prayer. And he said, and we have about four and a half minutes left. I'm grateful for that big clock up there. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And the only way we're going to experience that shaking of God is if we are a praying people. And I am challenging you tonight. This nation needs to see it. Our children need to see it. They need to hear and feel the prayers of mommy and daddy at home. This church, listen, our churches are in desperate need, not of dead congregations, but people who delight themselves in abiding in the presence of Almighty God. People who will linger and stay before the throne of grace, crying out on the behalf of our country and our communities. And the only way that God will intervene is if we intercede before Him. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were all assembled together. And when they were all filled, and the multitude of them, verse number 32, that believed were of one heart and of one soul. What do you find here, church? It was a house of prayer, but number two, it was a haven of peace. They were assembled together. You know, God's word places a very, very extreme heavy emphasis on unity. The Bible, the Bible teaches us to bear one another's burdens, to pray for one another. By the way, it's hard to pray. It's hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. 
He says in Psalm 133, verse number one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He says in verse number three of that same chapter, write it down, Psalm 133, verse number one and three. Read it later. He says, for there or at that place where the brethren are dwelling together in unity, for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. God say, hey, hey, see that church? Angels, stop what you're doing. Get the buckets, get the buckets. Fill it up quickly, quickly, quickly. I want my hand and I want my favor and I want my blessing and I want to revive them. They're upon that church. Come on. Open up the windows of heaven. Even life forevermore. God will bring a spirit of revival. Something that's real, real, alive. Vibrancy. Not a manipulation or a manufacturing, but a manifestation. It'll be something fresh and something wonderful. Uh, if we are a church that is unified, a haven of peace tonight. I had a video that I wanted to show. It's about, it's about 50 seconds. Do you have that, Brother Jonathan? I got the thumbs up. Look at this. We're almost through tonight. While we're fighting with our brothers and sisters in Christ, look at this. This is, this is crazy. So headstrong, you know, and just so adamant about what I think, and just at odds with the preacher and at odds with one another. Little do we realize the enemy's coming. We don't even see it. Fighting with our wife, fighting with our children, fighting, 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 fighting. No unity. Closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. We don't even realize it. And God calls it carnality. You're so divided and you're bickering and you're filled with arrogance and pride. And God said, hey, hey, you've got a promise. And you've got power. You've got potential. The gates of hell itself shall not prevail against you. It's so wonderful. The devil, he'll never quit, but he'll never win. I'm with you every single step of the way. But if we're not a house of prayer, if we're not a haven of peace, God's saying, and he's lifted his hand off of that ministry I don't know about you but that puts the fear of God in me because I long for his touch in his hand number three a habitation of power he says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were all assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost is this church known to be a place that has the power of God resting upon it where we're filled with the Holy Ghost tonight number four a hall of principle a hall of principle. The Bible says, and they spake the word of God with what, church? Boldness. They weren't belligerent. They were bold. They were bold. They just preached the truth and in love, just like we ought to be. Amen. And sure, the reason there's a message of judgment and there's a reason to stay away from the sin and fight for your marriage and live for Jesus is because God cares and God loves you. If that man didn't care about you, he would preach the smooth things and the ear-tickling things. And a lot of times in the ministry today, the problem with a lot of churches, and maybe this is critical, Lord, forgive me, you're the one that burdened my heart. So here it is. Just say this. I mean, it's crazy. I've never said this before. But the problem today is not what's being said. The problem today is what's not being said. And there are some times when the message of God has to be a hard thing. But the reason it's a hard thing is because God cares and God loves you and God's saying, hey, 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 just before you go that direction, would you take heed and consider, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Amen. A whole of principle, don't compromise, keep on preaching the Bible. Amen. And number five, the multitudes believed a harbor for the perishing, a harbor for the perishing, a place where people are getting saved, amen? A people can come to this church and hear the truth and the gospel. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed. There's a new name written down in glory. It was one day mine, but now it's His. And praise God, a soul-saving station. You know, if the fire department was to not respond to the fires, it would say, what in the world? Well, they're supposed to be doing that. What, what? What, why, are they, why are they sleeping? Why are they apathetic? Why are they not vigilant? Why are they shirking their responsibilities? Shame on them! Come on now! Let's go pick it and let's go talk to City Hall about this. What's happening? They weren't on the job! Shame on them, but shame on you and shame on me. Those who are to be watchmen on the wall, sounding forth the trumpet. 
the gospel and the good news. When's the last time you passed out a tract? When's the last time you led someone to the Lord? Most churches are not like Parkside. Most churches are very dead in the area of witnessing. And many times they pat themselves on the... And I don't mean this. I, I've said this in churches before where it is this way. Where they, give them, they pass out one track a week, you know. And they're like, oh man, I did something for the Lord this week. And God's looking out and saying, how pathetic. Are you kidding me? One track? We think we've done God a favor. No, we haven't. We're continually praying for the divine appointment, bringing them in from the fields of sin. I need to stop preaching. I needed to stop preaching three minutes ago. Holy Spirit of God, would you please use this? And Lord, I, I, I felt like we needed to end the message after the first point, the house of prayer. I know that. But Lord, I believe that you wanted me to, to get the whole message out. And I, I wasn't trying to, to force an agenda or something. Lord, I believe this is what you had. And so I've sought to obey you. And God, would you please... Do a work. Lord, I've been praying for the supernatural tonight to fall. God, just encourage your people. Encourage your people.